Tapes from New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerds, the show where two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-anchor, Darren Patterson. I'm your co-anchor, Tits McGee. Well, you're not Tits McGee, you're John no. Trumbull. That's true, that is correct. But, but I had a reason for saying that thing that I said just now, because... This week, uh, since Saturday Night Live is still off and is off for the foreseeable future, uh, we are going to be covering the movie Anchorman, The Legend of Ron Burgundy. Indeed, Anchorman, Ron Burgundy, came out July 9th, 2004. Oh, my God. uh, That was the year I met my wife. How about that? Oh, look at that. Look at that. That summer, yeah. Did you see this movie with your wife? With your future Uh, wife? uh, No. Actually, this movie came out maybe like a month after a month before we met. So like we, I already seen it. Um, right. I've received numerous times in the theater. Numerous times. Oh, okay. So oh, I did, yeah. liked it. I did. Uh, for those that don't know, this movie was directed by Adam McKay, written by Adam McKay and Will Ferrell. Uh, budget was 26 mil grossed 90 mil. And uh, yeah, if you remember when this movie came out, it was, it was kind of a big deal. It was it was it it has uh you know many leather bound books the theater smelled of rich mahogany um, <laughs> it's it's become i mean more than just a cult comedy i think it's become like a new classic comedy it's i, I would say it's like will ferrell's the definitive will ferrell movie and it, it was like adam mckay's first movie and it, it really put these guys on the map in, in terms of uh feature films I would agree. I mean, uh, actually, a year before this, Will Ferrell was in Old School, and that's the—I think that's the movie that broke him. But then true, true. I was forgetting Old School for a moment. Yeah, but then they, he came out with this movie, Anchorman, and then this sent him up to a whole new level. Like he was like the lead in it, and it was like you said, it was like a comedy classic. I mean, I, I would probably put it up there with stuff like uh, Caddyshack and the like. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a comedy, I personally, I I put it above Caddyshack. Oh, um, but that's me. Thing. All right. That is me. But right, you know, no. we can get into that uh, when at a future date when we cover Caddyshack. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We haven't touched Caddyshack, have we? We hmm. have not. Interesting. All right. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, as far as, as like I said before, I love this movie. And like, this is one of those movies where, like, I remember me and other people like just quoting this movie nonstop. Like, I've had full-on conversations with people using nothing but Anchorman quotes. Yeah, it is a very quotable movie. You see it. I mean, it still has like this big, I keep wanting to say cult following, but you know, it, it seems to be more than a cult. I mean, it's it's like, it's entered the culture. It's, uh, you see like memes all the time of things like Ron Burgundy going, I don't believe you or, or right. I'm Lamp or just so many quotable lines and moments from this movie. Yeah, that escalated quickly. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it, it yeah. seems to really apply. Well, let me let me read the uh, the back of our uh, the the DVD I have. We we talked before we started recording. Uh, we both got the uh, the unrated, uh, uncut, and uncalled for version mm. of Anchorman, which it's more or less the same movie. It's got like a few few differences. Um, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not a huge uh, difference. Not a huge change in it. No, it's it's honestly like 
uh, on IMDb, they, they only uh, list like five differences between that and the theatrical cut. So it is more or less the same movie. Um, there, there's like a few alternate uh, takes that are in. There are a few things that are expanded a little bit. Uh, and like a couple scenes that they, they put back in. But it is more or less the same movie. Um, here's the description on the back of the DVD. Uh, Will Ferrell, old school elf, is Ron Burgundy, a top-rated 1970s San Diego anchorman who believes women have a place in the newsroom, as long as they stick to covering fashion shows or late-breaking cooking stories. So when Ron is told he'll be working with a bright young newswoman, Christine Applegate, who's beautiful, ambitious, and smart enough to be more than eye candy, it's not just a clash of two TV people with really great hair, it's war. Filled with wicked wit and slapstick humor, Anchorman is the year's most wildly irreverent must-see comedy hit. I agree with all those things. Yeah, yeah. and it, there was an interesting sort of inspiration for this movie. Is Will Ferrell, he was watching a documentary about uh, the news business in the 1970s, late 1970s. And I think it was a documentary about uh, Jessica Savage, who is this... Uh, newscaster in the late 70s, early 80s, worked for NBC. Do you, do you remember De Jessica Savage or was she before your time? Uh, vaguely. I think she was a little bit before my time. Uh, yeah, she she died early on. She had, uh, she had like a, a drug problem. I, and there was like one bit where she had, she went on the air and a lot of people were speculating that she she was high or, or drunk or on something because she was like slurring her words and she was in bad shape and she came to a, a tragic end early on. But she was also one of the first female newscasters at a national level. And she, she battled a lot of sexism along the way. And in this documentary that uh, Will Ferrell was watching, they were talking to this anchor who was a big deal in, in the 1970s. And he was saying, now understand something. I used to be a real male chauvinist pig. And and that struck <laughs> Will Ferrell as as very amusing and and a fertile area for comedy. So he he told Adam McKay about it, and Adam McKay was like, "Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do that." And uh, so they did that. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I mean, because part of me thought like his big inspiration for this character was uh, like remember when he used to do that impression of Robert Goulet, like on sure. Conan and stuff. Yeah. Ron Burgundy has like a lot of Goulet in him. There's a you know a lot of I'm Robert Goulet. I'm Ron Burgundy. There's like a lot of like I, I get Goulet vibes from his Ron Burgundy uh, character. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Will Ferrell, he's very good at playing uh, idiots who are very full of themselves. That seems to be his one of his go-to things for his characters. Um, yeah, I think I think another influence on the character of Ron Burgundy. It has to be uh, Ted Baxter from the old Mary Tyler Moore show with, uh, with the great Ted Knight played, who was like the lead actor. And he, he was very inspiring and confident and, and uh, very slick on air, but off air, he's just an absolute idiot. And, and you realize he's only wow. perceived that way because like he reads the stuff that's in front of him with gravitas. Um, so that's a good I, point. I, I never thought of that. I think that has to be where they get the name of Ron Burgundy's dog, Baxter. I think that was like maybe a little tip of the hat or something. Oh, oh wow. I never thought of that. That, that yeah, makes a lot of I sense. Mean, I, I don't think I've ever heard them confirm that, but I, I feel like that, that can't be a coincidence. Huh. Interesting. Wow. 
put the, wow, you've uh, you gave us some food for thought there, Mr. Trumbull. Well, you know, that's that's what I'm here for, Darren. I mean, I, <laughs> I, had, to, I had to pick up the slack from your lame ass. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> Ain't I a stinker? I'm a dirty pirate hooker. <laughs> um, so Again, so, another um, line I quoted all the time. Uh, yeah, that's a great line. That's a great line. Uh, you know, I also love uh, I'm going to punch you in the ovary. <laughs> baby maker. Um, this, <laughs> My God. I mean, this movie, it gets very wrong. It gets very politically incorrect. And that's that's half the fun of it. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's taking place in sometime in the 1970s. And it's it's a very pre-enlightened time. Yeah, very much so. It takes, uh, it takes place in San Diego. And then they introduce Ron Burgundy, who's mm -hmm. like this, man, you know, God amongst men. Yes. A man who uh, has a voice that can make a Wolverine uh, purr. I like it opens up. They say that he he was he had suits that made Sinatra look like a hobo. In in other words, Ron Burgundy was the shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, Ron Burgundy. He's the number one newsman in San Diego. He works for uh, KWWN Channel Four, which is the number one news station. And he's got a whole news team. He's got uh, Champ Kind. Uh, Who's the sportscaster, uh, played by David Keckner, another SNL alum, who was on uh, the the cast in the early days of Will Ferrell's time there. He he only stayed on for SNL for like a year or two, I think. Right. And um, we we also have uh, Brick Tamland, uh, Weather, who's played by uh, Steve Carell, the great Steve Carell, and this was yeah. kind of a breakthrough role for him. Yeah, dude, I remember watching this movie and like, like Steve Carell, like much like Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder, Carell steals every scene he's in. Like every time he came on the screen, he would say something incredibly hilarious. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean, Steve Carell had this big improv background. He he'd come from the Second City, um, and he he'd done, been on the Daily Show for years, and he he'd already been on the Dana Carvey Show, which we. Uh, Covered to a degree when we were talking about the documentary about the Dana Carvey show. So Steve Carell was really primed for a breakout. And it was his performance in this movie that convinced Judd Apatow to build a movie around Steve Carell. Because he noticed what Steve Carell was doing. And he was like, hey, do you have any ideas for film? And that's how we ended up getting the 40-year-old virgin. Absolutely. Another great movie. And uh, we have another person on the, uh, the news team, uh, Brian Fantana. Who's the uh, the action reporter, the reporter in the field? Uh, oh. He's he's kind of the hunky daredevil one, and he's played by the great uh, Paul Rudd. Oh, Rudd! You put Rudd in any movie, I am there. Oh, I mean, how can you not love Paul Rudd? I mean, honestly, he's the man, the, man, the human golden retriever. <laughs> yes. That's a wonderful way to put it. And, you know, Paul Rudd, this movie came out in 2004. Paul Rudd looks exactly the same. It's really weird. It is eerie. The man does not age. He is he is the modern-day Dick Clark. Um, he's, he's, a Dory, he's a Dorian Gray pitcher. I've been saying for years that somebody needs to do a, a, a version of the picture of Dorian Gray with Paul Rudd in the lead. And we'll, we'll see, like, the the... The painting in his attic just slowly go to hell while Paul Rudd looks the same. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, so this is like a comedy dream team here. Yeah, it's a strong dream team. And, uh, yeah. 
and also we have uh, who's the head of the network, uh, Ed Harkin, played by the great Fred Willard. Fred Willard, yeah, uh, who you know you, you probably know from all those Christopher Guest uh, movies like Best in Show and uh, A Mighty Wind. Uh, you know, it, he steals tons of scenes, and he he's very funny in this movie. If you're like, if you really know your history, you or your comedy history, you know from a little thing called Fernwood Tonight, way back in the day. Yeah, yeah, him and Martin Mall. Yeah, yeah I haven't also, seen much of Fernwood Tonight, but I I know of it. Yeah, me too. Like I remember, it used to come on Nick at Night years and years ago. I think it was Nick at Night, something like that. But like I never watched it. It just looked kind of okay to me. And but like now, now I kind of want to see it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know if that's uh, streaming anywhere or anywhere available like that. It might be just a little too old, but I mean, who knows? It's it's tough to keep track of shows these days. That's true. Oh, and also, um, we have Chris Parnell, who's in this. He plays Garth, who is uh, Ed Harkin's assistant, I believe. Yes, and uh, he was originally uh, considered for Brick. Um, really. Yeah, they they originally wrote the role of Brick for Chris Parnell and uh, Brian Fantana. They were originally uh, considering uh, Ben Stiller. And oh. for, for Champ Kind, they wrote that for John C. Riley. And uh, oddly, hmm. like none of those guys ended up being the final choices in the movie. I I don't hate those choices. I could I could see them doing it. It would be different, but I could see them doing it. Would be different, but it would still be a very funny movie with those guys. But I'm I'm glad that we ended up with the guys that we had. John C. Riley apparently he was interested in doing it or was willing to do it, but he he was committed to the movie The Aviator at the time, the uh, the Howard Hughes biopic, and it, it just didn't work out timing wise. And uh, John C. Riley has regretted that since, but I mean, he's worked with Will Ferrell and lots of other stuff. They did Step Brothers together and Talladega Nights, and which I can see both of us. Uh, I can see us covering both of those in the future. So, absolutely. I mean, I get. I mean, I mean, I get it. Like, I mean, also uh, John C. Riley was in uh, Anchorman too, so he kind of made up for that. But I mean, I get it. Like being on a in the movie The Aviator. I mean, that's a Scorsese film. You don't leave a Scorsese film. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, even though we we think of John C. Riley as much more of a comedy guy right now, I think back then he had more of a foot in each uh, area in both drama and comedy. And now maybe the scales have tilted a little more to comedy, but that's very true. Yeah, John C. Riley's not not hurting. And uh, also we have as the female lead, uh, Veronica Corningstone. We have Christina Applegate. Yeah, this was a weird choice because I don't think like. Uh... She had really done that much comedy. I mean, of course, with Married with Children, you know Kelly Bundy. But aside from that, like like comedy and movies, I don't think she had done too much, right? This is this is kind of a signature role for her in the movies, I think. And this, yeah, this did maybe put her a little more on comedy. Yeah, but she'd done a lot of TV comedy. She did Married with Children for I think that show was on well over a decade, and she did. Uh, oh gosh, she she'd done a few sitcoms since then. Um, but yeah, this was, uh, this is... yeah, I mean, there was that, mo that one, uh, Samantha who, and, was uh, it? she, uh, she also had a show called Jesse, I think. Jesse. Oh. Yeah. I, I don't know if I remember that. I only vaguely remember it. I don't think I ever really watched it. Um, but, uh, I, th I think it was on like Thursday nights on NBC for a while. 
I think okay. it was one of the million shows that was paired with Friends and and Frasier and all that. Okay. okay, and she was also had that Netflix show Dead to Me. Uh, she was also, uh, you know, I mean, ever since there was, you know, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead and Bad Moms. She actually now I think about it, she has done a good chunk in comedy, but I think that might have all mostly come after this movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think this movie casts a long shadow there. But um, I don't know. Uh, should we should we get into the plot? Yeah, I mean, the plot's kind of simple. Uh, Ron meets Veronica at uh, one of his pool parties, and he tries to hit on her. But like, kind of before this, you kind of get the vibe that like, even though Ron is you know flying high, he you know he gets all the women he wants, and he's living this playboy lifestyle. He is kind of lonely and looking looking to meet a, a soulmate. And then uh, he kind of talks to Veronica, and he says something like, "Oh, you, I got to tell you something. You got a magnificent hiney. Yes, I want to be friends but, with him. Yes, I've, which is something of quote I've said numerous times. And then, yeah, no, that's that's one of the all-time great pickup lines. And if you say that to a woman, she will instantly fall into your arms. She will swoon I immediately. Mean, that's as as Ron that. says later in the movie. That's just science." Yes. <laughs> then he says that he's kind of a big deal, you know, mm -hmm. which is, uh, I, I've, I've highlighted all the quotes I've said from this movie, and it's, it is disturbingly a lot. It is a lot, yeah. I mean, we could, we could, we could go through this movie practically line by line. It's like so many quotable lines in this movie. Yeah. Um, I, have many, I have many leather-bound books. I want to be on you. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, so he, he's clumsily trying to pick her up and she's not having any of it because she's she is a she's a liberated lady. She's got her own mind and and all that good stuff uh, right. that was just coming to be in the late 70s. when we were just figuring out that women were good for things besides housework. And yeah. um, who knew? Who knew? Um, <laughs> we had that's all. And, and, we got go that? ahead. I was gonna say the next morning uh, everybody's hung over from the night before. Uh, mm -hmm. Champ talks about how he should a squirrel. Is still still bizarre to me. That is a line that is different in the uh, in the unrated version. Um, in uh, hang on a second, I'll... in the theatrical cut, um, Champ states, "I woke up on the floor of some Japanese family's living room and they would not stop screaming." To which Brick oh. replies. I ate a big red candle. Oh, right, right. In the director's cut, Champ says, I woke up this morning and I shit a squirrel. The hell of it is the damn thing's still alive. So I've got this shit-covered squirrel down there in the office, and I don't know what to name it. And then Brick replies, I'm sorry, I think I ate your chocolate squirrel. Um, oh. I, I think I have to go with the unrated here. I, I find just shitting out a squirrel to be a very funny concept. That is just, yeah, it's just... It just took me a minute to wrap my mind around that. I was like, what did you say? What did you say? That was a wild party. <laughs> a live squirrel. Okay. And 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 Brick, we should say, um, we didn't really cover Brick uh, too much. We talked about Steve Carell more. Brick, uh, he has an IQ of 48, and he is discovered years later to actually be mentally retarded. Uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah. yeah. So, he he's he's very funny. He says a lot of non sequiturs. He says a lot of 
yeah. things that just show he doesn't quite get it. And and Steve Carell is just hilarious in, in this role. Yeah, hey, where'd you get that suit? From the toilet store? Um, yeah, so... <laughs> so, I mean, they are, they are number one in the newscast. They are riding high. But uh, word comes down from the network that... Um, that the affiliates are looking for more diversity in the news team. And, and the, the guys don't even know what the word diversity means. <laughs> <laughs> it's a small and, wooden chip. Uh, right. Right. And uh, Ed Harkin, the, the, the head of the, the station, he announces that they've hired Veronica Corningstone as the new, their new reporter. Um, who is the woman that uh, Ron tried to pick up at the party last night. And, and had miserably failed, and and Ron is instantly smitten with her because she's she's very striking, she's very capable, and very poised, and he's just he Look, is ooh. in love with Veronica Corningstone. Yeah. But of course, the men are upset, and they let Ed Harkin know about it. It's anchor mm -hmm. man, not anchor lady, and of but, course, you know, and love of course, the ladies. They rev my engine. <laughs> they don't have a place in the newsroom. <laughs> And of course, Brick says, I don't know what we're yelling about. But he, the way he says it, it's like, he says it with just with such passion. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's like passion mixed with confusion, which, I, which is what I love. He just wants to be a part of the moment. So, yeah, he yeah. just, he, he tries to duplicate the tone of the meeting, uh, but he has no idea of the content. Yeah, <laughs> so so he says, I don't know what we're yelling about. Loud noises. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I still say loud noises to this day. It's yes, yes. <laughs> and then at um, one point, he's, at one point, uh, he says, "I read somewhere that their periods attract bears. The bears can smell the menstruation." Yes, Which yes. Is, I remember like everybody bursting out loud laughing at that too. The loud yeah, noises and the bears. Yes, just such an unexpected, uh, random thing. Um, well, actually, the bears thing kind of plays into what happens later on in the movie if you think and, about that, it. and that apparently is a true scientific fact is like bears can uh sense that or smell that oh really uh, so yeah that's a little scientific fact so uh oh. very funny and scientifically accurate so there's general con general concern yes. yes exactly okay. exactly and you know this movie educational that's right you laugh and you learn yes um, and uh, beyond the whole Veronica Corningstone of it all, uh, we also have a rival news team uh, yes. from the number two news team that from Channel 9, and that is anchored by Wes Bantu, played by Vince Vaughn, uh, Will Ferrell's co-star from uh, Old School. Right. So. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. And then, then they, they kind of get into it a little bit too, like a little, uh, you know, they, they showed it just bad, bad blood there and like, you know, that's where Brick said that one insult. Where'd you get your suit from? The toilet store? Yeah. Which I laughed out loud when I heard that in the theater. I was like, that, yeah, that's, that's good stuff. That's great. Um, and uh, so so the the news team for Channel 4, they decide to give Veronica a hard time. They're they're sexually harassing her, and they're they're trying to get her to to quit. And they're trying, but at the same time, you know, but they're still trying to hook up with her. Because they are pigs. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, and also at the same time, Veronica is given like kind of menial stories to report on, like the cat show. 
you know, what she talks to Ed about, and she says, oh, this this is baloney. It is baloney, which is something my sister still says. It is baloney. (laughs) Is that something your sister just says, or is she quoting from the movie? No, she's quoting from the movie. Like, every time, like, something dumb happens, she's like, this is baloney. I don't know why that that line just gets her and gets me. Um, And so, you know, so we have the guys doing horrible things to her in in the newsroom where like, you know, champ, he's like reaching for something on a desk and he like grazes against her breast and feeling her up. Whammy. Yeah. Whammy, which is champ's (laughs) craze. And uh, Brian decides to take a run at her and he, he uses his new cologne called sex Panther. Wow. By Odeon. Yes. Which uh, they're uh, 60% of the time it works every time. (laughs) That that doesn't make sense. That that doesn't make sense. Um, so he he puts it on and it is it is such a pungent scent. Things that, the nostrils. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it, we end up it, it alarms everyone in the newsroom. Everyone just is repulsed by the the scent, and it it cuts to Paul Rudd just getting hosed down outside yeah. the building because that is. The only way he can get the scent of Sex Panther off of him. Yeah, it is worth the time that the raccoon got caught in the copier. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. And we had a little cameo from uh, from Judd Apatow. Yeah, one of he, the, in, the, in the newsroom, he says the cologne smells like a turd covered in burnt hair. And then another woman said it smells like Bigfoot stick. <laughs> yes. So it, uh, it it paints a little word picture there. Um, yeah. Sex Panthers made with bits of real panther, so you know it's good. <laughs> but Ron, uh, you know, Ron, he is not as overt about it uh, to to Veronica because he is he is genuinely smitten with her, and he invites her out to dinner, just saying like, "Well, you should you should get to know your, the new city of San Diego, and since you're going to be covering this town," she says, "Okay, well that makes sense," and they go out to dinner. Yeah. And yeah, and he also like he's like working out in the office without a shirt. Yes. Which is yeah, something he, I guess they do in the office, you know, take us to the gun show type of thing. Yeah, Oops. yeah. And you know, we Will Ferrell loves taking his shirt off for comedic purposes. And, who doesn't? Uh, yeah. And he's because you know, Will Ferrell, he has a I think it's fair to say he has a thoroughly average physique. He has Yes. It's the definition I mean, of dad bod. Call it a dad bod, but it is I mean, he is not he, he he's not cut at all. Um, he is just very thoroughly he's, average. He's no, guy, but he's no Jason Momoa. No, no, there is a, a slight difference between the physiques of Jason Momoa <laughs> and Farrell. If you can find uh, them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he, oh, he takes. Oh, go ahead. Uh, also, real quick, if you notice the uh, stage manager who kind of pops in and out of scenes here, that's Ian Roberts, uh, one of the founding members of the UCB. Yes, yes, that that is true. Mm-hmm. That is true. Um, so Ron takes Veronica out. Uh, the, first, they they go out to like sort of a lookout point area, and where he right. Ron explains that uh, San Diego is German for a whale's vagina. Um, Another quote I use quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, tough to go wrong with whale's vagina. Um, right. And when they go out to dinner, uh, Ron impresses by playing the jazz flute. Yes, they go to the- they go to a jazz restaurant bar, Tino's, which is uh, run by Tino, who's played by Fred Armisen. Yes, yes. 
and um, let's see. I, th I think the the restaurant it's uh, it, it is it's Spanish for "we spit in your food." What that they go? You know, to. really? Yeah, yeah. Wow, I did not know that. That's that's pretty smart. That's, yeah, yeah. It's it's a smart movie. It's an educational movie. Um, right. But I mean, uh, I, I also, in this scene, I kind of like how. It like when he goes up to play the jazz flute, he kind of plays it sloppily. So you think, yeah. oh, the the joke is he's actually terrible at jazz flute. But then they flip it, and he's actually really good at jazz flute. Yes, yeah, and apparently Will Ferrell plays the flute in real life. Really? Yeah. That well, that is something I found. It's tough to find like genuine trivia about this movie because you don't know if they're just making things up. But oh. apparently, that's a real thing. Apparently, Will Ferrell can play the flute. Huh. All right. Well, well, okay. They were making a big joke, and I was totally fooled by it. So I know. I do know uh, Nick Offerman can actually play the saxophone like he does in Parks and Rec. But uh, I didn't true. Know about yeah, that. Duke Silver. Duke Duke Silver, my man. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but uh, Veronica is overcome by Ron's charms, and right. you know, he's like, "Hey, look, tonight we're we're not coworkers. We're just a man and a woman. We're co-people." Yeah. And they they uh, they hook up. Uh, Ron yes. takes Veronica to Pleasure Town, and we have an animated sequence uh, that represents their lovemaking. Yeah, um, while uh, Tom Jones plays in the background. Yeah, I mean you can't go wrong with the Tom Jones. Um, but uh, this this is a very funny sequence. Just it's it's so unexpected and it's so random, yeah. and like it's well animated. They they took some time to get this right, man. <laughs> Yeah, like it's, I mean, like if there's anything in this movie that like lets you know you shouldn't take anything in this movie seriously, it's this scene right here. Like where they're writing, yeah. they're writing unicorns and they're like flying amongst the clouds and Ron says, right. hey, oh, look, it's the most glorious rainbow ever. And then, uh, oh, yes, yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very funny sequence. I mean, it just lets you know this movie is just going to go all sorts of weird places. Um right. And I liked, like, I was, when I went in to see this movie for the first time, I was expecting it to just be sort of like a battle of the sexes thing for the whole movie. So I was very surprised, uh, pleasantly, when they had the two characters just hook up early on and, and we introduced a romantic aspect to it. I thought that was much more interesting. No, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, so I, I en enjoyed that. Um, so, like, after... The morning after, Ron declares that he is in love with Veronica Corningstone, and they made love last yeah. night. He basically shouts this out to the entire newsroom. Not basically. He does it. He does. He does. Yeah. He pretty much yelled it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, after she says, hey, let's keep this on the low. Let's keep this. Let's be discreet. I don't want everybody thinking, like, you know, it's tough for me as a woman to come up. So I don't want anybody to think like, I'm just some, you know, hook up for you or anything like that. Right. Yeah, she doesn't want people to think she's sleeping her way to the top. But uh, exactly. Ron is so wonderfully oblivious. He's and and giddy with with love and excitement. He's just like we made love. And in this scene, we have like another couple of the iconic moments from this movie, um, where like the the other guys on the news team they don't really understand what it is to be in love. Right. And so they're asking Ron what it's like. And uh and and Brick, who as usual is not quite getting it, he he just 
starts naming things around the office, saying like, "I I love I love desk, I love carpet, I I, I love lamp." Another 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 line I quote in my daily life way too often. I love lamp. <laughs> I love lamp. It's it's great, and it applies to a surprising number of situations. Um, <laughs> And uh, when Ron tries to describe what it feels like, uh, we go into a sing-along of Afternoon Delight, which... Uh, yeah, just... I mean, it's done very well. Their harmonies are great, but it just comes out of nowhere. They just start singing Afternoon Delight. Yet another scene that happens where it just says, don't take anything in this movie too seriously. It's yeah. just going to be as silly as possible. And I love yeah, it. And and it's uh, it, it is a very nice four part harmony. They actually do sound pretty good. They they worked on this song, um, <laughs> and it, it is one of the popular iconic moments of the movie. And it it's funny because it, the song goes on far longer than you expect it to. You're expecting like maybe a verse, but no, they come back to it. And uh, yeah, they really do. Like after this, I was like, oh, I should really download Aps Afternoon Delight. Yeah, yeah. And and they've like called back to this moment a few times. Like when I remember when Paul Rudd was hosting SNL in uh, 2013 with One Direction as a musical guest, they brought on Will Ferrell, David Koechner, and Steve Carell to have a sing-off with One Direction on Afternoon Delight. And uh, yeah, all nine of them ended up singing Afternoon Delight direct, uh, together and declared themselves Nine Direction. So. <laughs> nice. Dude, I totally forgot that. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, it's a great moment. I'll probably uh, post that up on the uh, uh, on the Twitter account later on. Oh, please do. Uh, so yeah, after that, uh, then they cut to the cat show that Veronica is covering, and the cat show was hosted by uh, uh, Paul F. Tompkins, a comedian. Yeah. Paul F. Tompkins. It's and, such. Uh, Early appearance by Paul F. Tompkins. Paul F. Tompkins does not have his trademark mustache. It is a yeah. clean-shaven Paul F. Tompkins. A young Tompkins. A young, fresh-faced Paul F. Tompkins. And, yeah. uh, wow. And uh, yeah. there's also a small cameo by uh, Seth Rogen as Veronica's cameraman. Yes, yes. I think he's credited as eager cameraman in, in, the, in the credits. <laughs> yeah. and, and this is this is before Seth Rogen was really famous at all. This was, he had already done uh, Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared, but both of those shows were swiftly canceled. But Judd Apatow obviously liked Seth Rogen and wanted to throw him a bone where he could. So he, he gives Seth Rogen this bit part as, as Veronica's cameraman. And he actually has a couple lines of dialogue. Yeah, yeah. This is way before, like, Knocked Up or anything. This is back when he was a virtual unknown. Yeah, yeah, and like later, uh, Apatow gives him a part in the forty-year-old virgin, and then yeah, then he gets knocked up, and then and then Seth Rogen becomes a star in his own right, and and sort of his own comedy brand. But it's it's interesting to see him just playing what is basically a bit part. Yeah, absolutely. So then uh, after she does her report, they cut to Ron, who mm -hmm. says, you know, he admits on air that he's dating Veronica. And that she's uh, quite a handful in the bedroom. Yes, yeah, quite a little lovemaker. Um, yeah. Which, uh, that upsets Veronica. Ron can't quite understand why. <laughs> but, because uh, Ron is quite 
oblivious. That is one of his main yeah. character traits. But that's a compliment that she's a handful of. I don't get it. Yeah. And um, oh, and and during the the restaurant scene where Veronica is uh, bawling Ron out about this in the background, we see uh, Dave Gruber Allen, who, uh, if you watch Freaks and Geeks, you you probably remember him as the guidance counselor, Mister Rosso, and uh, he's also done comedy with David Keckner. They did the the Naked Trucker and T Bone show together. Oh, he was in this. Yeah, yeah. You see him. I don't think he has any dialogue in the finished film. He is in like some of the deleted scenes, but he's a uh, long hair with a beard, he's, he's like this sort of old hippie type. Oh, and, how'd I miss that? Shit. Uh, well, I think in the I think in the finished movie, he's just like maybe a little fuzzy in the background, but he's got a very distinctive face. So if you're if you're looking for him, look for look for Dave Gruber Allen. Huh. Well, I'll be a son of a gun. It's always fun to see him. Right. Uh, so, um, you know, so then Ron and Veronica kind of make up and, you know, he says he loves her and then they admit that they're in love, which mm -hmm. none of this sits well with the rest of the uh, news team because Ron's spending all his time with Veronica and not with them. Uh, yeah. Ron, like he can't do the next, he can't do the pancake social cause he's going to go jogging with Veronica or, you know, jogging, it might be called, It's it, it might be a soft J, I don't know. It's so new, yeah, we do not know how to pronounce this activity yet. Um, but we, we also find out that uh, Champ is apparently secretly in love with Ron, and he, he misses Ron, he misses his musk. Um, <laughs> I love that line. You don't hear the word musk in conversation as much as you should. No, we don't. We don't. We need to start incorporating the word musk into more of our everyday conversations. I miss being with you. I miss I miss being near you. <laughs> I miss your laugh. And, yeah, and, and that's just a uh, sort of fun comedic subplot that's it's never commented on too much, but just every once in a while we hit on that of of just champs uh unspoken lust for, for Ron, because he, he just loves Ron Burgundy so damn much. Beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, Champ's a mess. Brick can't sleep. And then Brick just scoffs at a banana. <laughs> um, and uh, so our next plot complication arrives when we see uh, Ron just driving around, and he, he tosses a burrito out of his car window, and it hits, it hits a biker. Uh, played by Jack Black in a yeah, neat little yeah. cameo. Um, the the biker played by Jack Black. He's hitting the face with the burrito. He spins out on his bike, and he is he's very upset about this because his his bike is now ruined. So he he takes Ron's dog Baxter and punts him off a bridge. So. <laughs> dro they drop kick. He drop kicks a dog off a bridge, and it should be horrifying, but somehow it's hilarious. You know, partly it's hilarious because it is, it is so obviously a fake dog that he he punts off the bridge. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, we, yes, we see true. we see Jack Black pick up the real Baxter, the real dog, and then in the next cut, he's got an obvious bad Baxter doll. So, uh, um, and Ron is Ron is very torn up about this because Baxter is his is his life, and he's. And he's he is trapped in a glass case of emotion, both both literally and metaphorically. He is calling into the station, and he's he's so distraught that he's in danger of missing that evening's newscast. Right. So basically, like he's in a phone booth calling the studio, saying, "Oh my god, what?" Like he he's not even making sense. He's just like, 
beside himself. Uh, I, Veronica Corningstone is saying, is talking to Ed Harkin, saying, "Look, you know, we got to do the news." It's like Ron's running late. If he's not here in a few minutes, like I'll, I'm here. I'll do the news. So you know, of course, Ron to take over. Exactly. So like without since Ron's not there, and you know, they they're left with no choice but to put Veronica on to you know do the news. And of course, Ron is running through the streets, pushing people out the way unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. To get to do the news after Brian calls him and tells him, say they're going to put Corningstone on. You better get here now. Because it is, I mean, it is such a horrifying, horrifying thought to have a woman anchoring the news. I mean, get, can you imagine? Then shiver up my spine. That is, ugh. I mean, it is. Uh, it still oh. frightens the hell out of me. Oh, the horror! The telling horror. you the news of the day and. That's just, oh my I mean, God. thank God we don't stand for that sort of thing today in 2020. No, Lord, no. Everything's fine. Like, a woman can be president. Everything, everything's a-okay right now. We, we, we saw it. Won't, won't actually be, but can be. Theoretically can, can. be. <laughs> yeah, on paper. <laughs> on paper. No, I mean, they can run all they want. We are still going to elect a man in his 70s. I mean, well, wow, I mean, we get political here. Because that is just how it is done. Um, we are not. I mean, maybe, maybe by like 2050, we will be ready for a woman. Uh, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I mean, if the right woman comes along, that's right. I don't. Yeah. Hasn't gotten here yet, but we'll. You know. Yeah. No. I mean, no. No. I mean, obviously not. Um, but uh, so so Veronica takes over the newscast, does a very good job. She does a great job. She even improvises a quick sign-off line as thanks for dropping by. Um, and it, it just goes very well. And uh, and then Ron bursts into the studio right after she finishes. And he's like, all right, I'm ready. Let's do the news. And everyone has to break it to him like, well, Ron, we, we went on without you. And we did the news. And right. Ron just cannot accept this. And he is... He is a wreck, right. and, and he is—he is so outraged he cannot be happy for for Veronica. Um, right, because so, so Veronica break up. Yes, because Veronica said, "Like I told you, I wanted to be a news anchor. I, I, this was my dream. I've told you all about this." And Veronica was like, "I thought you were kidding. I thought it was a joke." I didn't know uh, you were yeah. She like wants I wrote to it in my diary. A news anchor who is who is also a woman, and he's like, "Oh, that's so amusing." <laughs> Yeah. So they break up. You know, Ron's like, "We broke up because of your actions, you, you scorpion woman." Yes. And, uh, and and the next, the next day, uh, we find out uh, that they got a significant ratings boost because of Veronica anchoring the news. So the network makes Veronica the the Channel Four's new co-anchor with Ron Burgundy. Right. So now. Ron Burgundy has to share his beloved newscast with a woman. Yes. And, and not just any woman, the woman who, who used to be his lover. Faint. Is, I mean, this is horrifying. My God, man. What the what? It's, I mean, it's like, what is next? Dogs and cats living together? Mass hysteria. Yeah. So, um... So again, Sorry. they they go they go back to trying to sabotage Veronica Corningstone. They they uh, they pay off the the announcer at the beginning of the news to introduce her as Tits McGee. 
Another quote. Another quote I've said numerous times. Another quote that I have said uh, less than an hour ago. <laughs> uh, that's right. You did. I did. See, this is where that's from. <laughs> I did. We did. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they're basically prank calling her. Ron insults her. Says you have a dirty, whorish mouth, which again, some another quote. Um, and uh, they're just trying to sabotage her all the way, but it's just not making any headway. She's not letting it get to them, and it's really. Uh, still a dirty pirate hooker. Yeah, so. dirty pirate hooker. Uh, so the guys, in order to lift their spirit, lift their spirits, they decide to go buy some new suits. So they jump well, in. Before we move on, we should also say that that Veronica is starting to influence the other women at the station, and the other women are now speaking up for themselves more, and they are not putting up with the antics of the news team. I mean, they are. We're getting some blowback against the sexism, the institutionalized sexism we've seen at Channel 4 for God knows how many years. Goth queen. So it is it is not good news for Ron Burgundy and his news team. So so as you said, they, they decide to go buy some new suits to lift their spirits, as you do. Yeah, uh, they get lost, as you and, do, and they end up in an alleyway, and then they meet up with the uh, evening news team again with, you know, West Mantooth. Uh, mm -hmm. Whose mother is a saint? Uh, you know, yeah. Vince Vaughn, and of course, Vince Vaughn teases them, saying, "Oh, I heard you get you need a you got a woman who is like the you know help you with your ratings. What's up with that?" And then, of course, yeah. they get upset, and then decide just to have a big old street fight. And but before the street fight begins, another news team comes in. Uh, the number Channel Two, oh, yeah, Channel Two news team, number headed three. by uh, Frank Vichard, played mm -hmm. by Luke Wilson. Yeah, Luke Wilson making a cameo. That's that's fun. Yeah, and like suddenly they decide they want to be in on this big uh, street fight, and, and then we get a, a not so fast. And and it also striding in, we have the public news team uh, with uh, with Tim Robbins as the lead public news anchor. Um, right. No commercials, no mercy. Yes. Uh, and so, okay, so we're ready to rumble with these four news teams. But just then, another news team comes in, and it is the Spanish language news. Uh, and, and the lead Spanish news anchor is played by Ben Stiller. I mean, my God. What, what, like, I remember watching this in the theater, and, like, it, it kind of blew my mind. Because, like, I think it's been a while since a movie, a comedy movie had come out with all these, like, cameos in it. It was like, yeah, I mean, it's it is fun because I mean, it just keeps upping the ante. You're like, oh, hey, you know, there's Vince Vaughn again. That's fun to see him again. And hey, oh, cool, Luke Wilson. Oh my God, Tim Rollins. Well, he doesn't do many comedies. And then, oh my God, Ben Stiller. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's it's fun to. I mean, it it just builds beautifully. And so they they decide to have a big five way news rumble and. Uh, yeah, and the only rule is they stay away from the hair and the face. Other than that, yeah. anything goes. Yeah, and like then they had these weapons, like chains, and uh, was it uh, uh, Tim Robbins' character had the bat with nails coming out of it? Uh, I, Brick has a has a grenade for some reason. I know where he got it? <laughs> like I don't know. He just has he just has a grenade. Um, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Then, uh, then the man, just, like, as they rumble, there's a man on fire walking through for some reason. Uh, yep. Somebody, Frank Vitter gets his arm cut off by 
Tim Robbins character. It's, I mean, it's madness. We have a couple guys on horseback with an, with some nets, and they catch Brian Fantana in the net and drag him off. It's very, uh, it's very Planet of the Apes. Um, yeah. Uh, of course, at one point, uh, and Brick throws a trident at a man on horseback and hits him in the chest. And uh, the, the guy just you know, tumbles off, and, and then we, we just cut to Brick smiling. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then, it, but then uh, they hear the cops, you know, policia, policia, and then they all, like, scatter. It was They scatter. And then we just cut back to uh, Ron and the, uh, the team in, back in Ron's office, and he just goes, boy. That escalated quickly. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're all drinking the old school Miller High Lives. Like, yeah, that was <laughs> like Brick killed a man. Wow. Yeah, yeah, Brick. I've been meaning to talk to you about that. Um, you should probably find a place to lay low for a while, or maybe a friend's house or a relative's, because you're probably wanted for murder. <laughs> it was again. It's like something like he Brick killed a man with a trident, but it's instead of it being horrifying, it's hilarious. Yep. <laughs> I think it's because it's with a trident out of all things. Like that's I think that's what yeah. did it. Yeah, yeah. Stabbing somebody with a trident is pretty much always funny. <laughs> like, where do you get a trident? <laughs> but uh but we we still have the problems between Ron and Veronica. They are pretty much at war now. Uh they get into an actual physical brawl in the in the newsroom. Right. Um, after uh yeah, because like they there's one VCR. And Veronica needs it for a story, but Ron is using it to show his acceptance speech at the uh, Emmys to some intern. And then they get, then they say spar, and you know, Ron says something like, "Why don't you go back to your home in Whore Island?" Uh, right. <laughs> and then they get, they literally, and then, um, and then Veronica says, "Oh, you, well, your hair looks stupid," and that sets Ron off. And then they literally physically fight, like Ron throws Veronica across the table or a, a desk, and yeah. then. Uh, then Veronica throws a typewriter at his head. She she grabs a TV antenna and starts whipping him with the TV antenna. Um, yeah, very funny sequence. Yeah, she makes him in the face. It's a lot of that. Yeah, and uh, we we see uh, Veronica later. She's out to uh, out to lunch with all the uh, women from the station. Who's and she has a lot of sympathy from the women from the station now, and. Uh, one one of the women, played by uh, Catherine Hahn, the very funny Catherine Hahn, uh, lets Veronica in on a little secret that uh, Ron has a habit of reading literally anything that is put on in on the teleprompter when he's reading the news. Uh, we see this earlier in the movie when uh, someone accidentally puts a question mark at the end of his sign off, and he just goes, "I'm Ron Burgundy," um, yeah. and. Uh, and Catherine Hahn tells Veronica about this. She's like, you know, you can use this or you can leave it alone, whatever you want to do. So Veronica decides to use it and she changes Ron's sign off at the news that evening. And so he ends the news with, go fuck yourself, San Diego. I love this line because it wasn't until just that point. That's when I realized, oh, this is the first time we're hearing the, the F word throughout this entire movie. So it hits yeah. a little hard. It hits a little harder. It's a, it's an f bomb. It's an f bomb. Yeah, his his usual sign off. I don't think we've said before was is stay classy, San Diego, and he is beloved by San Diego. But he ends a newscast with "Go fuck yourself, San Diego," and he is not even aware that he has said it because Ron is just that stupid. Right. Uh, he does not realize and what I, he has said until he watches the playback. 
Yeah, and I think that at that point, Veronica realized, oh, I, I might have gone too far. Because I don't, I think she, I think she was just hoping to have him be flustered for a for a moment, or maybe stumble on air. She never expected him to actually say, "Go fuck yourself, San Diego." But as we yeah. said, Ron is just that stupid. So, um, so, uh, so people yeah. outraged. They are storming the station. And and yeah. Ed Harkin his back's against the wall. He has to fire his beloved Ron Burgundy. Yeah, why do you have to say that? This poop mouth, this poop, poop mouth. And 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 Garth, poor Garth is just shattered by this. Yeah, um, yeah, it's poop, poop mouth, poop mouth. Um, <laughs> and, and 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 Veronica is just distraught about this because this went further than she ever wanted or expected. Um, Indeed. Yeah, and and but uh, but Veronica ends up benefiting for the from this. She she takes over as the lead anchor for Channel Four, much to the resentment of the rest of the news team. Um, and and yeah. Ron, Ron just spirals. He's just uh, he's just unshaven, drinking uh, drinking milk on the street on a hot day for some reason. Yeah, yeah, milk was a bad choice. Milk, another line I say quite a bit. In my this, my God! Like I didn't realize how much of my lexicon comes from this movie. And he he runs. Ron runs into the news team on the street. The news team is not even allowed to speak to him. They they're going to be fired as well if they even associate with Ron. So he is he is totally abandoned. He doesn't have his girlfriend. He doesn't have his beloved dog Baxter. He he does not have his trusted news team. Ron is hitting rock bottom. It's so damn hot. Yeah. Um, and so, so we kept it to three months later, um, after Ron has been fired and, and we're reaching the climax of one of the other subplots in the movie, which I don't think we mentioned until now, uh, Ling Wong, the panda at the San Diego zoo is about to give birth. Yeah. I kind of remember this being a thing. Like we're low, like whenever there was like an animal giving birth at the zoo, uh, you know, the local zoo, whatever town, like it would be like a big deal in the news. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, pandas, especially because one, they are very cute and they are an endangered species. And apparently in real life, uh, the San Diego Zoo is one of the few zoos outside of China that has pandas. They, I don't believe they had, they actually had pandas at this point in time in the 1970s, but. Oh, I didn't even know that. Have, I, thought, I just thought pandas were everywhere. No, no, I think they're still an endangered species, so uh, they are not ev everywhere. So you huh. should probably stop killing all those pandas, Darren. The meaning to talk to you about that and all the panda killing, it is a bit of a problem. Gotcha. Yeah, that's, oh. that's why that's why Tug Steven was so freaked out. Um, I mean, I'm not saying you should stop altogether, but you should at the very least try to taper it off. I'll I'll do what I do in my free time, my friend. All right. Last okay. I checked, last I checked, this was America. Right. I tried. I tried. I mean, if you could just maybe keep it to the, like just killing say one panda a week. A I, week. Don't, I don't know, man. You're asking a lot. Well, I, I tried. Um but anyway, we we uh, the panda is about to give birth, so it's a big story. Every news station in town is trying to cover it, and including Veronica. 
who's who's doing very well as the lead anchor of Channel Four. She's busting up drug rings and and breaking all these big stories. So she's this big heroic journalist. Um, while Ron, uh, okay. uh, Ron Swanson, Ron Burgundy has this big beard of despair. Um, yeah. He's spending a lot of time at his local bar with with uh, Danny Trejo as, yes. as his pretender. Yeah, I gotta say, Danny Trejo has his shirt on in this scene that is really cool. Like I like for a, I'll admit for a while I was like, oh, where do you get that shirt? I like that shirt. I do not know where he got that shirt, but oh. uh, if, yeah. any, if, if any listeners know where I can get a shirt just like the one Danny Trejo wears in Anchorman, please let me know. If, if by some chance Danny Trejo's shirt guy is listening to this podcast, please uh, get in touch with us through the Twitter account uh, at SNL yeah. Nerd Show and uh, and let Darren know where he can find yes, that please, uh, Danny Trejo shirt. Please, summer's coming. Exactly. Exactly. We are going to leave our homes at some point in time in the future, presumably. But uh, I, I got to look good. Yep. Got to look good. You know, yeah. Darren wants to just go, hey, everybody, come see how good I look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, but uh, so but uh, so Veronica, she's she's trying to get a good angle of the panda birth um, at the at the San Diego Zoo, but they've got uh, like these screens up, so no no nobody can get a good shot. And then finally, Veronica sees a shot, uh, a place in the corner where they could get a nice shot of the the panda birth. And uh, Tim Robbins, the public news guy, he he villainously just decides to push Veronica into a bear pit and take the shot for himself. Yeah, so a little bit of Bob Roberts in him at, in, at this point. Who knew the public news people were so evil? Oh, they're jerks. They seem so nice on NPR and on PBS. All the front. Oh, I, uh, I guess so. I guess so. Um, this, is why I don't, this is why I don't give them any money. <laughs> <laughs> I know what they're all about. So, so, so now Channel 4 is in a bind. They're, they've got the biggest news story of the year, and they have no anchor to cover it. Um, so Ed Harkin reluctantly decides to, to call Ron Burgundy to take over. Right. And, uh, and, and so he, he, uh, wants his news team back. He goes into the bathroom for a second, comes out, you know, clean shaven or, or, you know, cleaned up. So has the trademark mustache and he, fabulous. yes. And then he, uh, blows into a conch shell to call his news team. A lo nice little Lord of the Flies reference for you. Yeah, and he said, you know, news team assemble. And of course, they're all like, oh. yeah. And of course, they're all like, oh, hey, Ron, yeah, we've, we've been here the whole time. You've been here. You're literally the entire time. And he is not lying. Paul Rudd is not lying. He would not lie to us. If you rewind that scene and you go back, you can see Brian and the other news, other members of the news team playing pool in the background out of focus. Oh, shit. I got to check that out. Yeah, that's a, that's a little uh, little freeze frame bonus for you there, but uh, yeah, but they, they've been there literally the entire time that Ron has. Uh, but but the the news team is now back together, and so they they go off to uh, to cover the story at the zoo, and and there's even Great. more because there's a network talent scout out there 
standing by his car, looking through binoculars at how they're they're covering the story, just like a baseball talent scout, uh, which <laughs> I find a very funny, absurd joke. Yeah, I was like, all right, I guess that's how news scouts uh, do it. That's how they do it. They do not watch footage. They they go out to actual news events and they watch from a distance by their cars with binoculars. Because how Seems else would you do it, really? Seems legit. Um, so, so Ron jumps in to rescue B Veronica from the bear pit. And uh, as soon as he lands, it just... He is sur he is surrounded by bears, and he just goes. I immediately regret this decision. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, so then the other the news team members to jump in after him, and suddenly mm -hmm. becomes a bear fight to help save Veronica, yeah. and then they're just yeah. fist fighting bears. Yeah, Veronica admits to Ron that she tricked him with a teleprompter, and Ron immediately just goes, "You bitch!" Uh, <laughs> up the bears, and and. Uh, so now they're in even more danger. Uh, Ron admits that he loves Veronica, and the news team jumps in for the big bear fight. And uh, and and things are looking bad for the news team. We don't know what's possibly going to get them out of this fix. Yeah, yeah, and also like now everybody's focused on uh, the news, the, the, them fighting in the bear pit, and you know instead of the uh, panda giving birth. And we see um, Luke Wilson as uh, Frank Fitchard the number three news team, he's doing the, he's doing the play by play, you know, with the microphone looking into the bear pit. And of course, still one arm, still one arm. Yeah. He has, still has one arm. And, uh, then as he's doing the play by play, a bear jumps up, rips off his other arm. And he's like, ah, oh, damn it. This is ridiculous. <laughs> and, and you know, his reaction to it, it's, it's like you just spilled your coffee. If yeah. you just drop your you're like, oh man, I am having the worst day. Yeah, that's his reaction to losing his second arm. <laughs> yeah, it's just this movie's so ridiculous. Uh, so yeah, so then it looks like the bears are, you know, kind of surrounding our news team, and like their the days are numbered. And then who should come to save them? But Baxter, the dog. He comes out of the waters. He jumps into the bear pit, and he talks to the bears. <laughs> Right, and and thankfully the conversation is subtitled. Um, yes, we discover that in Baxter's travels, he he made friends with the bears, including the cousin of the bear in the bear pit. So, uh, so that's a that's a lucky thing. Yeah, this is like one of the most ridiculous endings I've ever seen in a comedy, but it, it kind of it works. It kind of works. It makes sense. Dogs and bears—they are traditionally <laughs> friends. I mean, on the Laugh Olympics, Yogi Bear, he hung out with, well, let, let's see, Mumbly was, was one of the bad guys on Laugh Olympics. Huckleberry um, Hound? I don't know. Huckleberry Hound. Yogi Bear is friends with Huckleberry Hound. See, bears and dogs are friends. <laughs> I, I'll let you have this one. That, I'll, that's I'll let you, I'll let you have this, but I, I don't know if I, if I fully believe this. Okay, Hanna-Barbera would not lie to you, Darren. Damn it! All right, you're right. They wouldn't. Uh, but so 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 the bears they go back into hibernation. They Baxter's talk them down, and and they get a ladder, and they everybody's coming out of the bear pit. And when when Wes Mantooth suddenly comes and grabs the ladder and threatening to push Ron back into the bear pit, but uh, Wes Wes just goes, "I hate you, Ron Burgundy." 
but God damn it, do I respect you. Um, which uh, line also used in old school. So that's right. It's a good line. Back to their previous uh, cinematic team up. Yeah. So then he says that line. He kisses Ron Burgundy on the forehead, and he helps him out of the pit. This... And and as he resumes his newscast, he just says, "Today we spell redemption, R O N." So it's it's nice to see Ron Burgundy and Wes Mantooth work out their differences. That's that's inspiring, and that you know, if if those there, two can do it, I I I think that gives hope for us all. They're still brothers in news. Yeah, they're still the brotherhood of news. Um, Come on, people now. Smile on your brother, everybody. Everybody get together. Try to love one another right now. <laughs> um, so, so Ron reports on the Panda story, uh, which which is picked up by the network. But But Ron decides that he can't report on it by himself, even though this is... He's so happy to be back on the air. He calls on Veronica Corningstone as his co-anchor, just showing that Ron has finally accepted her as an equal and as a colleague. And uh, yeah, you know, so, it's, it's inspiring. If if like you know, Ron and Veronica can work out their differences, maybe men and women can work out their differences, and we can do it, people. You know, maybe maybe someday we'd like women can be equal in the workplace, and uh, we could have like a woman president someday. Fingers crossed. Because I feel like women can be very level-headed, where men are maybe stupid and not. And, well, that's a uh, very that's a very nasty comment to say. Why would you say that? Get them out of here. Ugh. Well, I mean, I th I think you know, just just like. Like if there's like say a very knowledgeable and prepared woman who can like handle bad situations, uh -huh. maybe that sort of keeps uh, us as a society from getting into trouble. Uh, where uh. I'm just pulling an example out of thin air here. Uh, you know, maybe there's not a giant pandemic raging through the country, and uh, you know where people have to stay. Quarantined in their houses, let's say, and forced to do uh, it over the internet instead of meeting up at a studio and uh, speaking to each other in person. That's a weird hypothetical, man. I'm, I mean, I'm not sure what you're referring to, but huh? I mean, it's it's an unusually specific example, but uh, I mean, I think I think it's one worth contemplating. Okay, I hear you. That's a. Uh... That's food for thought. I'm not sure, I'm, again, I, I don't know what you're, if you're referencing something or anything like that, but I don't know. Well, I mean, I can tell you're not totally on board with this idea, but, uh, you know, that's okay. That's okay. I'm just planting seeds. Planting yeah, seeds. Yeah, yeah. It, it's interesting. I'll think about it. Anyway, I think I, I got to go fighter man for toilet paper. So uh, let's wrap this right. up. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. We should wrap this up. Yeah. We should wrap this up. Um, but, uh. But Ron and Veronica, they go, they go on from there. They, they are now co-anchors united, and they become the first mixed-gender network news team, the, uh, the, the narration informs us. And uh, I don't think we've mentioned that the, the narrator of this movie, Bill Curtis, big-time big newscaster. Uh, he's, he's currently uh, one of the, the hosts and the, the scorekeeper on NPR's uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. But he has a long history of, of newscasting and... Uh, narration on uh 
all sorts of shows. I, I knew I recognized that voice somewhere. He was always like that. He was like big in the seventies. I recognized that voice, but I, I never knew his name. I mean, his voice is like, I mean, my God. Yeah, yeah. He's he's uh, he's done a lot of things on uh, Annie. Uh, let's see. He he anchored the CBS Morning News, and he's just got one of the all time great voices. Oh, um, yeah, it's and and. It, it, he makes the movie all the funnier because it's just you hear a real life newscaster just saying "ra ra ra," and uh, I mean his voice can melt butter. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but so you know that's that's the end of Anchorman. That is, I mean, what what do we think of this movie, Darren? Uh, I think it's a hilarious movie. I think like I remember seeing in the theater. I thought it was one of the funniest things I'd seen in a while. It was one of those like uh, I guess kind of like. You could maybe call it a bro comedy, but I don't know, not really. But it's definitely, I mean, it was just hilarious. I mean, it, like every time, I mean, because like there was sort of like a underlying theme about, you know, sexism in the workplace and, you know, how women had to fight to get to the top. But anytime they got too close to being a little bit serious, they immediately went the other, went the other way and like just remind you, no, this is a, Silly, insane comedy where you know people get stabbed with tridents and uh, play shoot fire out of a. No, it is interesting because I mean it does get very absurd. It gets very surreal, but it it does actually have some serious points to make about <laughs> about sexism and how and just how absurd sexism is. And uh, yeah, and that's fun. And it's it's you know because it's a comedy, your maybe your defenses are down, your shields are down a little bit, so those ideas might permeate a little bit more than they would otherwise. Yeah, I mean, there's one point where uh, Ron is in the bar with Danny Trejo, and Danny Trejo is like, "Yeah, you know, times are changing. Like, women can do stuff now, so you you got to be okay with it." Which is I, like a it's it's them getting a little serious, but then immediately Ron says. I'm sorry. Wait. What? Are you, what are you saying? I, I don't speak Spanish. He they immediately make it ridiculous. Right. Right. Because it's he is not speaking Spanish. It's just Danny Trejo who has a slight accent. <laughs> but but Ron seems to just be utterly confused by Spanish um, in yeah. any form. Um, at one point, Baxter barks to him, and he's like, "What? You know, I don't speak Spanish." Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, this is one of the great. This comedy is one of the greats. I still quote it to this day. It's just. I mean, I mean, holy moly! It's it's uh, it warms my heart. This movie, and you know, even if if you've seen this movie before, and even if you've like got it on streaming somewhere or something like that, I, I think it is on streaming somewhere at the moment. Um, but I think this is a movie that is definitely worth owning on DVD or Blu-ray because, um, as we said earlier, we we have the the unrated expanded cut, and that also came with a bonus movie called Wake Up Ron Burgundy, that they assembled this out of outtakes and deleted scenes from the movie. They had so much left over that they could make a full-length movie out of what they cut out. That's pretty fantastic. That is amazing. And there was like this, there was a whole subplot that was cut out of the movie about this terrorist group rampaging through San Diego called uh, the Alarm Clock. And one of the terrorists was played by Maya Rudolph. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah. wow. And and at one point they they rob a bank and uh the bank teller is played by Amy Poehler. So this Ooh. is a movie that is so funny. They cut out Maya Rudolph and Amy Poehler 
out of the movie, who normally would be just scene stealers in any other movie, but they are not even in this one because there was just Holy to too much funny. But it's uh, it's an over it's a UOD on funny on this thing. Do you do? But uh, I mean, I think it is still a good comedy. It doesn't overstay its welcome. I think it's still under two hours. I'm not sure what the runtime is on. Uh, Let me see. It's like one forty, uh, right? Yeah, it says like uh, one thirty-eight on on my DVD. So yeah, so it's pretty lean and mean, uh, which which I enjoy. I don't like it when the comedies that get too self-indulgent and they overstay their welcome. So this it's nice to see. It's yeah, it still holds up. The quotes are still quotable. Uh, you know, loud noises. I don't know what we're yelling about. Love I hate, lamp. I love lamp. I hate your chocolate squirrel. You know, and all of it. The brick didn't say. Oh right, uh, whammy, <laughs> whammy, whammy. Milk was a bad choice. It's so damn hot. Uh, you know, whale's vagina, tits McGee. You got a dirty whorish mouth. I mean, Mike, I miss your musk. I mean, come on. It's. I mean, you can just nonstop quote this movie, and and people will never get sick of it. It will never get old. Um, That's my chopper, Brosif. And if you, uh, you know, and if you quote from this movie, rest assured, you are exactly as funny as Will Ferrell and everyone else in this movie. Yep. There's no way you're not going to make that funny. Nope. There, everyone is going to instantly love you for quoting this movie. That's right. Um, if you do uh, Austin Powers quotes or Borat quotes, you are just as funny as Mike Myers or Sasha Baron Cohen. It's it's just fun. Yep. It is exactly the same thing as being creative yourself. Yep, that's it. <laughs> All you got to do is say what creative people say and parrot it. And uh, yeah, you're just as good as they are. Yep, we finally revealed the secret to comedy. <laughs> so, uh, Yeah, so we put the word out on Twitter that we were doing this. And uh, we got a, a few uh, tweets about it. Okay, let's, let's hear, what, uh, hear what they got to say. Uh, Manette Marathi says, The movie's ongoing commentary about sexism in the workplace it's a great example of how McKay is able to talk about serious topics using comedy, which definitely fuels the success of The Big Short and Won him an Oscar. Okay. Hmm. I can dig that. And uh, hmm. yeah, our, you know, our good friend Ruby the Rube says, oh, she has two questions. Uh, what do you think of Adam McKay as a whole, as a writer slash director? Um, do you want to answer that first or should I? Um... Well, I guess I'll go. I mean, I like him as a writer director. He's definitely, you know, well, he's doing more and more serious stuff now, which seems to be what a lot of directors are doing now. Like Jay Roach, who did Awesome Powers, doing more serious stuff. Uh, Todd Phillips, of course, doing more serious stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think as a director, he's great. I think as a writer, he's great. When he was writing sketches on SNL with Will Ferrell, like, you know, they pretty much, they always hit for me. When I remember, I don't think we mentioned he was like the head writer of SNL. I think like just before Tina Fey. Oh, that's right. that's right. If I remember the sequence correctly, but yeah, I mean he's he's done a lot of great comedies, and and it is interesting that a lot of our big comedy directors have kind of pivoted over to more serious stuff. Adam McKay, um, like I mean when he did when he did that uh, movie with uh, Will Ferrell, um, oh what was oh it? the other Gator guys. Yeah, and it had the, it had the 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 sort of subplot about the the financial uh, meltdown that we had about uh, uh, ten years back uh, or ten twelve years back. I mean, that's 
you know that that's a comedy that's also making some serious points and he's he's since done films like like vice about dick cheney and um uh oh, what was what was the movie he did about uh like the the housing bust the big short the big short yeah i i i'm sad to say i haven't seen those i i need to see those those movies i just i wanted to see them and i just never got around to seeing them yeah the big but, short i saw and i liked it i still mm-hmm. didn't quite get it cuz i'm yeah. I'm not that smart. But uh right. but yeah, yeah, he's doing some serious stuff. I still haven't seen the other guys, which I people say is really good. The other guys is is worth seeing. Yeah. It's uh Will Farrell, Mark Wahlberg. Um there's some funny stuff in that. I, I remember enjoying that. I, I wouldn't put it on a par with Anchorman, but I think it's a perfectly uh fun movie on its own. All right, I'll give it a shot. And also uh Ruby has another question. Ever okay. thought about ever thought about covering a vintage SNL episode for one of these off week podcasts? Just throwing that out there. Um, um I mean, yeah. I, I, what, what do you? What are your thoughts? I'm not opposed to it. Um, I think we would just have to choose it carefully, and and uh, you know, it had to be an episode that we can track down and and all that. I mean, my only reluctance is that I know there are some other uh, SNL podcasts that that do the older episodes, so we didn't want we don't want to duplicate what they were doing too much. No, I was going to say the exact same thing. Like, I mean, I'd be more than happy to watch an old episode to see if it still holds up. Uh, but yeah, we don't want to kind of dip our toe into another person's pool, as it were. So, like, I mean, I'd, I'd be totally down to do that, but we just got to find a different way to do it. Take it from a different angle, I guess. I mean, I, th- I think it's uh, perfectly fine if if we do that as like a one-time special thing. Uh, I don't think I'd want to do it every single week, but uh, yeah, it might be fun. I mean, because we're, let's face it, we are, it looks like we're going to have to vamp for a few weeks because since, since we recorded our, our last episode, SNL officially announced that uh, the show that it was originally due to come back on uh, the, the 28th, I think. Right, the Krasinski episode. Yeah, and that's, I mean, because every, you know, New York is, and television production is basically shut down because of the whole coronavirus thing. Um, you know, so we, we don't know when they're coming back. It it could be that their season is done. It so, could be. Uh, they definitely said the, yeah, cause they definitely said the 28th is done. The, uh, April 11th episode is done. So like they're, we don't know when they're going to be back. Maybe it'll be till it won't be till the fall. I mean, yeah, if, yeah. um, they're, they're suspending the live tapings of Saturday Night Live until at least April 11th is what, uh, they sent an email out to someone who who won a, a lottery ticket uh, uh, for being an audience member at SNL. So that's all we know right now. And I don't believe they've made any sort of official widespread announcement since then. But it would not surprise me if they are done for the season, which is what's that's unfortunate. It is. It's a bummer. But, um, you know, we'll we'll try to make uh, lemonade out of these lemons any way we can. We'll probably put it out on Twitter. Or, you know, maybe like some, put out a poll, like if there's some movies you want us to talk about or some episodes you want us to talk about or even like SNL documentaries. I've been kind of trying to find some of those, too. Um, so, yeah, we'll put the word out and see like, hey, will you give us some ideas? What do you think? I mean, an interesting thing right now is, you know, just because most people are staying at home, they're they're working from home, they're, they're being self-quarantined. Um, Darren and I right now, we're, we're trying to limit ourselves to 
movies that we either already own or that we can easily access on streaming. So we like some of the more obscure uh, movie starring SNL people that we would normally get from our local libraries. Uh, we can't really do that anymore because you know we're only trying to leave the house when absolutely necessary and going to the library to rent an SNL movie. Maybe not strictly necessary. <laughs> what? Oh yeah, I guess you're right. So, so yeah, but we've, we've discussed uh, some of the things that we're doing. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, there, there was an Anchorman two uh, that came out in 2013. Yeah. We could uh, cover that at some point. I own a copy of that. I don't know if you do Darren. Uh, um, I don't, but I did see it. I remember not being as crazy about it, but I do remember like the, uh, the battles, the fight scene in that one, like was just way like they, they amped that up to like the, to the, to the hills that that one thing. Yeah, because it was, I mean, you know, that that became one of the trademark scenes of the original Anchorman. So I think they really did have to follow that up. And uh yeah, we'll get into that if we cover that someday. Um there are other possibilities we talked about, like uh like Office Space uh from Mike Judge, yes. who's who's done animated shorts for SNL. Um uh Hot Rod we talked about. Yeah. Yeah, Hot Rod. Um, uh, skeleton Twins. Like, you know, we, there's a bunch of movies on streaming that we could uh, find. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're probably going to be putting up a poll uh, sometime in the near future on the Twitter account. So if you want to uh, let us know which ones of the options we give you that uh, you most want to hear about, uh, we will we will do that. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, that's our podcast. So uh, yeah, until then, you can find me on the on the Twitters and the Instagrams at Darren Credible. That's D A R I N Credible. Yes, and you can follow me on Twitter uh, and Instagram at Trumbull Comic T R U M B U L L Comic. And you can follow the show page at S N L Nerds Show. And uh, please go to uh, non-productive.com. Ch- uh, check out the other shows on the Non-Productive Podcast Network. Uh, we got a lot of fun stuff and please uh, contribute to our Patreon if you can. Cause you know, it's everybody's hurting for money right now. So if you, if you have anything that you can spare, I'm sure that the, the folks at nonproductive would really appreciate that right now. And, uh, and, and you can indicate that you are contributing because of the SNL nerds show. They, they give you, so it's just non-productive.com slash Patreon, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Just, just whatever you can spare a few shekels. If you could. Um, did we have anything um, anything new on terms of uh, feedback on the? Uh, let's see, not not seeing any new feedback on the Apple uh, podcast about the show. So if you want to do that, um, you know, please, like people have time on their hands. Talk up the podcast. Yeah. And, you know, like, hey, if you're bored, if you got some time to kill, because you're stuck at home. Want to listen to the SNL nerds? Uh, we we'd sure sure appreciate that. But we are going to keep on giving you as much content as we are able uh, while everybody's stuck at home. Absolutely. Like the SNL's not here, but Dagnabbit, we're still here. We're still standing. We're still strong. That's right. That's right. We're going to do our best to uh, uh, take up the slack and and keep doing that because we can we can fortunately do this podcast a little bit easier than. Uh, People can do a live television show from a uh, studio in the middle of New York City. Absolutely. It's a little easier. Mm-hmm. Today, we spell redemption SNL nerd. Correct. Correct. But uh, 
But I, I think that's about it. Did you have anything else that you wanted to say before we sign off, Darren? No, I think I'm good, man. Thanks for listening, guys. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back uh, next week with another SNL movie. But until then, go fuck yourself, San Diego. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablaoui. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.